Gents, uh, back for the first podcast of the new year 2022 is upon us. And why not get a mortgage advisor on that's got a huge, huge amount of experience in the game uh, to talk buy to let mortgages, interest rates, um, shifts in things going on from a lending perspective. Um, are lenders competitive? Are they not? So really looking forward into uh, some of the questions that we're going to ask Dom from The Money Guardian. These rates are not going to go up anytime soon. And if they do, it'll only be incremental because it's in no one's interest for interest rates to climb really high. And so whilst you've got that reasonably benign rate environment and a market where there's a lot of pent up willingness to lend, there's a lot of money in the system that's got that's got to go out. Um, They'll continue to be killing each other to to try and win business in, in the current market. Um, he works with some of the Avocado partners. He's a really, really good guy. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting stuck in and asking him some questions. And I'm really excited to be back on um, for a New Year podcast. So looking forward to the guests that we've got coming on over the uh, over the season two, shall we say, the rest of season two. Um, Tristan, what are you most looking forward to on, on this particular one? A couple of bits for me. Um, first one is to find out what trends Dom's seeing with obviously ever low rates of mortgages. Um, and what people are doing with their portfolios currently, whether they're selling, whether they're refinancing, breaking their terms to take advantage of that. And secondly, with the EPC changes coming in in 2025, wanted to know what green deals are on offer because there are some good rates out there for that as well. So just wanted to find out a bit more information on what people are doing. Yeah, green mortgages is going to be a really interesting topic of conversation today. Uh, Mike, yourself, what are you looking forward to? I'm an avid watcher of Dom's... Uh, evening chats with Dan and Neil live on Facebook, which obviously that's a bit of a plug I've just dropped for, for where he is and, and what he's about. Dom's a massive, uh, he's massively into the mechanics of why money costs what it does. So I'm looking forward to him giving us a bit of an explanation of why rates are what they are and, and why they change, how they change and what, what actually makes that happen. Yeah, no, it's good questions that we've got for Don here and I know he's going to have good answers for us so without further ado should we get Dom on the first podcast of 2022 let's do it so Dom thank you for joining us on the landlord page podcast looking forward to getting stuck into some changes or maybe not some changes in the mortgage world since uh, a few things happened in December at the most recent budget so we'll touch on that a little bit more soon but how are you how are things obviously just had Christmas excited for the year ahead very much so. I have got very high hopes for this year. So not as not as mad as 2021 by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, the fundamentals are still there. Supply, not there. D- too much demand. People have been disrupted by the pandemic. We're, yeah, we're good to go. In fact, I mean, I've only been back to work properly for two days and I've already got at least six inquiries in the last two days. So, uh, yeah, bring it on. What's quite interesting um, from a property market point of view is supply has been, you know, the major concern for the second half of last year. But actually, we've been open over Christmas and, and New Year, and it looks like there's quite a lot of listings coming mm. around. There's a lot of people that um, that couldn't move for whatever reason that seem to be coming back on now that prices have gone up. Um, and I'm hopeful that the supply demand issue might balance itself out um, across Q1 of this year, but. We will see. We will see how it unfolds. But it'd be nice because we've the demand is there, as we know. There's loads of buyers looking for mortgages and interest rates we'll touch on, but they're still nice and low, aren't they, at the moment? So Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. 
good stuff. I'm going to pass over to Tristan for a body of a couple of questions. Um, and obviously we will continue across this podcast to kind of just chat intermittently about uh, the different topics as well. So Tristan, how are we doing? Perfect. Yeah, all good. Thank you. And um, yeah, as you mentioned, fees um, last year or rates, should I say, were incredibly low, the lowest I've ever seen. So that is basically my first question coming over to you. Are rates still as low as they were ending last year? We're seeing less than 1% in some cases. I think the days of less than 1% are gone. You know, that that was a uh, that was a point in time that was never going to last. Uh, r- rates are still very, very low in relative terms. And I've, I've just noticed in the last few days, uh, the bank increased the rate towards the tail end of the base rate at the tail end of last year, which in my view is a bit premature. Um, but, you know, that, that, that's, that's not my, my pay grade. Um, the banks are only just starting to catch up because they don't like making many changes over the, the Christmas New Year period. Um, so we're seeing a lot of the high street banks are moving their standard variables in line and their tracker rates in line. When it comes to the, the fixed rate game, residential, bit of what I'd, what I'd describe as equalisation. So the low loan to value, 60 and below, were very, very low. Uh, and then they were scaling up once you got to you know, 75, 80, 85, 90. And we're seeing a bit of an equalisation. So the 60% and below are, are, are creeping up, but only, only gently. Uh, and we're seeing the higher loan to values coming down a little bit. So they're, they're sort of closing up. And it, it, to me, it kind of reflects the banks were, were pricing risk in at the high loan to value level last year. Uh, there's, there's clearly light at the end of the tunnel in terms of the pandemic seems to be easing regardless of what the headlines were telling you, the latest variant that's out there and all that sort of stuff. Um, and, you know, the outlook apparently is for the base rate to increase again towards, you know, by the end of 22, but back up to 1%. But the level of competition in the market is such that, you know, the, the base rate is interesting, but it's not everything. And, and the banks are still out there fighting for good quality business. And that's going to be good, good for borrowers, good for us, good for you guys. We were um, we were running a few videos, actually, me and Mike, because one thing that we were stunned about in December was there was a, quite a few different lenders, say 25% deposits, 75% loan to value. You could actually get a cheaper buy-to-let deal than mm. you could get a residential, um, yeah. which is unheard of in you know two decades of my career. Do you think there's any reason? Obviously, a lot of people listening and watching this, this podcast are going to be thinking about maybe purchasing this year or they've got portfolios that they're thinking of remortgaging potentially this year. Do you think there's any reason why that was? Are they kind of seeing the, the bank seeing security in the asset that is a buy to let now? There's, um, I mean, there's, mul- there's multiple factors in, in the buy to let space. And because of the, you know, the, the pandemic has had multiple different impacts on the property market. And of course, you know, downward pressure placed in or, or increased risk profile, if you like, for, People that own HMOs, you know, people not necessarily travelling to live in an HMO Monday to Friday, if they where they normally would work in an office, staying at home, university, you know, student accommodation under pressure, you know, university campuses not being open, um, people getting, you know, a moratorium on on eviction or that sort of stuff, people getting rent relief by sort of understanding landlords, so a lot of pressure on that market in general. I think it lenders love risk because that's the nature of their business; they take risk to make money by lending it but when it it gets when it gets outside of their appetite they will pull back and what you've seen in in certainly in the second part of last year is just increased demand 
in lenders for wanting that business. So a good example is NatWest just weren't in the game. They completely kind of taken themselves out of it. And then they came back in a big way in September and said, we're back in the Bartolet market. We want this business. We've relaxed various different uh, criteria. And actually I've got a list as long as your arm of, of established banks or lenders in this space that as the year wore on, certainly the second half of the year, they were just getting more and more into it. So increasing maximum loan to values, decreasing rates, reducing stress tests, you know, just basically opening up the market. And I think in that scenario, you've got a, a febrile environment where the banks believe that there is a lot of opportunity to make money. And I think there's one thing we forget is that there is no, there's no sort of discernible public housing strategy by the government to speak of. You know, there's no social housing strategy. So the private sector increasingly will step into that space. And so the lenders just see an opportunity. And that's what I think is driving the competition. It's what's driving the rates down because it's, this is good quality business. They've all got their own niche, um, but where they're happy, I think they're quite happy to fight each other for that business. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm I'm interested actually, and Tristan hates me because I go off topic on these um <laughs> these podcasts, but that's what I'm here for. I'm here to mess things up. Um one one thing that interests me, just from your point of view, when a lender comes back into the market, you said kind of I don't think you said aggressively, but quite proactively. Yeah. Um when they come back, is that something that brokers just see happen because there's a change when they kind of run their reports? Or do they physically have a BDM which comes to you and says, look, we are back in this space. This is the criteria. How does that actually unfold? Depends on the lender. So um, not, all, not all lenders provide a business development manager anyway. Uh, some of the specialists, will, I mean, we've even seen new entrants in this market, which is quite unusual so there was one uh, i'm trying to think of the name of it now uh and you could argue it's brave i think i think it's recognized bank was a new entrant to the buy to let space um and there's another one m m powered which not many people i don't think have heard of um depends natwest got on the phone proactively to tell me they were back in it and to tell me all the reasons why we should consider them the others it just this we get daily up it's like machine gun fire you know criteria changes new proposition updates that sort of stuff so we just have to pay attention in really if we're active in in these different advice areas we just have to pay attention to make sure that we're, we're spotting the opportunities and that's you know i'm i'm whole of market so i'm not restricted i don't work off a panel so i'm interested in in anything new that comes along doesn't matter whether it's residential or, or buy to let commercial whatever it is i'm, I'm going to want to know about it mm-hmm. uh, but it but it was definitely a trend that uh, just lenders trying to get back into the game a little bit, or, or bringing something in. You know, mortgage works—they're they're massive player, always top of the top of the list for for low rates. You know, bringing up their cashback rates on on buy to let remortgages and, and new builds. Uh, sorry, new purchases—just bonkers. They're they're all killing each other for this business. Yeah, so, it shows that they're um they're confident in the property market. You yeah, because they're competitive, which is yeah, is a yeah. good sign. So with Can them I take you back, Dom, for, for, for something that you said about equalisation? Yeah. Um, if we go back to the black and white days when I bought my first ever property yeah. um, and my first buy to let, you were massively rewarded for having 25 or 40% deposit by yeah. the banks. Yeah. Huge, huge differences in, in, in mortgage rates, which, yeah. as you said at the moment, 
it seems to be that gap seems to narrow on a weekly, monthly basis. What what's the reason for that? Uh, I think it was it was it was exacerbated. Well, there's there's probably two key things I talk about there. I mean, the rates as they are today are probably the base rate is substantially lower probably than when you bought a house. I mean, I, I, I can think back to the late eighties when the base rate was 15, 16%. Right. Um, so in, in reality, today's base rate has been low for some considerable time, pretty much since, since the, the crash in 2008, the, Therefore, that the amount of bandwidth the lenders have got to play with between the loan to value bands is much narrower because you know they have to stay, they have to have the Bank of England base rate as a as a, a benchmark, if you like. But the reason that the gap got wide during the pandemic is because banks were increasingly nervous about higher loan to value loans in terms of default. So anyone that was 60% or below, they're, they're rubbing their hands together thinking, well, this is really, really good business because if for any reason it does go under this, this particular loan, we're guaranteed to get our money back, no problem. So therefore, we're going to fight each other really, really hard to win that low-risk business, to de-risk our overall book. And for the higher value loans, so basically what, what they were giving away at the lower level, uh, they're taking back at the, at the higher level. But now that the economy's back in, in pretty much full recovery mode, furlough's gone, the economy's open, there's no more real, not the concern, the same level of concern that there was about people's incomes and stability of different markets. I think they've realised it's now time to, well, let's, we, need to, we need to switch off this really, really cheap money tap at the bottom of the scale. And actually, if we're going to turn that off and, and, and increase the band a little bit, we could be a little bit fairer to the new borrowers. Because don't forget, the regulator is always going to be looking at what lenders are doing and saying, well, are you operating a, you know, are you assessing risk fairly? Are you pricing it fairly? So uh, there are still, you know, you are still clearly better off on a rate basis at, at a, a higher deposit than you are on a lower deposit. It's just at the higher rates. And when I say higher rates, I mean 1995. They've come right down in the last six months. They were, in my view, artificially high. They're now back to kind of where they where they should be rather than being uh, overpriced, if you like, because of the perceived risk. Yeah, it makes sense. I guess it kind of touches on your your question that you've got for the mystic the mystic make prediction about rates, Tristan. Yeah, I think we sort of j- just with regards to the, the how competitive the market's being, like you said, and the equalisation. Do you see there being any change of rates anytime soon, or do you still see them being relatively low, or uh, just as a whole? I think I think the outlook remains uh, low and competitive. So, you know, even today. I've had an, an update in from uh, a big lender. I'm not going to say which one it is, um, where they are making further reductions at, at 80%, for example, at like 20 bips, 20 basis points. Um, and at 60%, they're increasing them by 0.06. So they're just they're tinkering around the edges. Um, but overall, the outlook remains competitive in terms of, these rates are not going to go up anytime soon. And if they do, it'll only be incremental because it's in no one's interest for interest rates to climb really high. And so whilst you've got that reasonably benign rate environment and a market where there's a lot of pent up willingness to lend, there's a lot of money in the system that's got to, that's got to go out. Um, it, it, they'll continue to be killing each other to, to try and win business in, in the current market. 
more competition breed breeds better rates broadly. With that in mind, Dom, if I know it's cool to sort of put you on the record here, but if you were advising a buy to let landlord, let's say they've got a portfolio of three, next year they're up for remortgage. Yeah. We what what kind of advice would you give them? They're looking at it from a long term asset, they're going to keep it for the next, you know, 15, 20 years. Do you say long longer term fixed deals? Would you say trackers for any reason short term what what kind of advice would you be giving them from a financial tip it really depends what their um short and medium term goals are in so my take on this market is that if you've got a landlord that's clearly in it for the long term you know they they're, they're buying and retaining assets for long term growth in the asset and yield on on holding the asset if they've had it for a while and we've seen double digit growth in in values in the last year certainly i know it varies by region but but you know st- stellar increases in in value if they're thinking about remortgage now or they're needing to think about remortgage the question is always well are you looking to acquire because if you are then we need to factor that into the conversation. Do you, do you want to release some of the, the growth in the property in terms of capital so that you can go and secure something else? Are you yeah. looking to improve the property? You know, I think, Tristan, we might be touching on this in a bit more detail, but you know, the, the, there's an increase in what so-called green mortgages coming onto the market because there's already minimum standards for EPC, but they're going to go up in... Uh, 2025 for new ones and it has to be retrospectively applied for 2028 so um you know there's there's things for landlords to consider when it comes to remortgaging as to whether they need more capital if they don't need more capital and they're fairly confident they're not going to need more capital then i'd always recommend you know at 75 percent and below the rates are so good if you just fix for five years minimum really because why would you want to keep reopening it? Bearing in mind, most buy-to-let mortgages have fees attached to them. Um, you don't want to pay a fee every two years if you, if you really don't need to. Yeah, makes it makes gets dull paying a thousand pounds every two years, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I wouldn't be that fond of it. Yeah, yeah. What's I where, where I was where I was talking about the, the the rates coming down for high loan to value and and creeping up for low loan to value is if you're a landlord out there with 50% plus equity in your property, if if mortgages are equalising then and house prices are going up, which they are, they still are, then it's, a, it's a, good, a good argument to say it's time to split your cash and, and go in to buy a second property because you won't be, won't be hit in the face by much higher mortgage rates as you might have been a few years ago or last year. Yeah. Um, and you're likely to see capital appreciation doubling as well for that point of view, if, if that's what the banks are encouraging people to do. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the banks, I'm not sure they're necessarily encouraging them to do it. They're creating a, an environment where it, it probably makes sense to take some capital out and do something else with it. That could be to to bring the property up to the required standard, get it out of the way now before you have to in 2025 or 2028. It could be, as you say, Mike, to acquire a new one. It could be that, you know, if you're currently on three properties and you own them in your own name, because the, the fiscal structure and the, the benefits of owning property, investment property in your own name have slowly been eroded, 
you might you might think, well, now I don't really want to have to incur the cost of doing it, but maybe now's the time for me to set up a special purpose vehicle limited company and transfer them from postal ownership into limited company ownership and then benefit from all the associated tax breaks that come with owning those as assets within a limited company. So going back to Ian's point, I mean, uh, uh, advice is, is, of course, and always must be a very personal thing. And so, you know, based on everyone's unique circumstances, but at the fundamental centre of the conversation is what what are you looking to achieve now and in the medium term? And if to achieve that, should we be looking at leveraging the asset now and locking in these really very attractive rates that who knows what's going to happen in 18, 24, 36 months time. So if, if, if it's there, take it. You can almost categorise people into a couple of different sort of silos, long-term, want to stay stagnant with their purchasing, just sit on what they've got. Yeah. Ideally, they'd like to sell, but they're going to sort of lock in for another two years of rentals or maybe long-term, but they've got strong growth plans to, to increase the portfolio. And off the back of that, there's, there's some simple advice depending on the individual circumstances, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Makes, makes a lot of sense. Tristan, I'm firing back at you. So uh, um, obviously going back on the green deal side of things, what are you seeing typically from your clients currently that you've been dealing with recently? Are you seeing them go for the, um, the, the sort of the green um, mortgages that are being on, on offer? Are you seeing people remortgage on the lower rates then using the money to uh, improve their properties? Are you seeing any trends yourself? Definitely. Now, the, the thing to bear in mind with the, with the green mortgage range, it, not everybody's got them, but, but we're seeing an increased number of lenders bringing those to the table. And that's in part with one eye on where we know that the government's going to require um, improved energy efficiency in these properties uh, over the next few, well, probably six years, I think, is, is the, the ultimate sort of drop off point for existing tenancies. So lenders will always anticipate these changes in the market, and get ready for them. For, for an existing property to qualify for a green um, product, they need to have a minimum of uh, rating B, I think it is the last one. It was a new build. New builds are really easy to do. If somebody's buying one um, as, a, as an investment property, they're really easy to do because they, they virtually all of them meet the requirement. For, for, the, for the green mortgages that are in existence, uh, most of the lenders require a minimum rating of C. So they're already put, they're already pushing the requirement to have the property at the right level. Um, it's undoubtedly the case that this trend will continue. When it comes to remortgaging, we're seeing a blended approach of, well, actually, if I, if I can get on the green deal, because it's, it's generally cheaper. So that's, that's, that's the carrot here. The green mortgages are always slightly better rates, not massively, but like 20 basis points as a broad proxy. So if you can qualify for it, why not? Everyone has to have a landlord. Every landlord has to have an EPC. Um, so that's one of the first things I'll check. Well, what EPC rate is the property? Because if, it, if it's going to qualify, then we might as well just look at green straight away. If it isn't, what does that mean for you, Mr. Landlord? Do you want to understand and examine how you could potentially bring it up to required standard? to get it out of the way for the future? Or are you happy to just remortgage maybe on a short-term deal where you work out what, you, what you're trying to do with the property? So it depends on the circumstances, really, of what their long and short-term goals, as we touched on earlier then, really. 
yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, human human nature is human nature, isn't it? And I say, I think it's going to, as we get closer to the to the government imposed deadlines, we'll probably see more activity of people thinking, right, I need to get around it. The, um, I mean, one of the big things to to improve energy efficiency is to get rid of the boiler with the heat pump. So the autumn budget uh, made provision that from April this year, landlords can access grants of up to £5,000 to pay for heat pumps. So I would expect to see over the rest of this year from Q2 onwards that um, savvy landlords will be taking advantage of that because why wouldn't you? You know, if there's, if there's free money on the table to upgrade your property, why wouldn't you take it rather than have to borrow the money or invest out your own pocket to try and bring it up to standard? And that could see a lump, a lot, a lot of a lot of properties are probably on the borderline, and that might make the difference to take it from uh, D to C. From what I've seen, there's still a lot of speculation on the hot water um, systems, like you said there, um, just in terms of the cost, because the grants up to five thousand, like you said, but because of the the cost involved to install it and manufacture it, it's yeah. looking quite substantial for people so the, the government are looking at how they can reduce those costs for people because at the moment they don't know if it's how effective it is because it hasn't fully been tested yet or rolled out yeah. um, from what i've seen yeah I, I think that's true i've spoken to uh clients that have them and the feedback on them is pretty good now i'm 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 the sort of person that doesn't adopt new technology very quickly because I'd rather see what the bugs come out of it before I, before I take it up. But when it comes to improving energy efficiency in a house, I mean, there's only certain so many things you can do to to positively influence it, and that's obviously one. So yeah, you know, I guess jury's out on that really. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll um, we'll actually we'll have an EPC assessor on later this month where we can go into the details of how yeah. to improve their home. So if anyone is listening and they want to take advantage of that, then obviously keep an eye out for that. And we can go into that for more detail. But just moving on to my last question then for you, Dom, yeah. um, just with regards to your, your current clients again, I mean, are you seeing many of them break early to capitalise on a three or five year fixed? Or I know we sort of briefly touched on it, but are you seeing that quite often or, or are people just happy with what they're on currently? Yeah, I've, the, the reality of, of breaking out of a fixed deal is it, it has to make financial sense. And unless you can, uh, and this is the way I, I, I advise people on it, unless you can save the exit penalties that you're going to have to pay, or you get that money back plus any fees you've got to pay, um, you, you probably, it's probably not the right thing. So you've got, you've got to measure the impact of, seeing it out versus the new option are you going to save money or aren't you and if you're not it's it's kind of false economy so why would you do it i personally haven't seen seen anybody uh, do it like that um in terms of the market itself i mean i've, I've seen a bit, bit of growth in let to buy so those people that have properties that they're currently living in uh, they want to go and do something and often these are flats actually you know the race for space so-called race for space people in flats trapped in them all you know for the most of the last year would like their own space rather than if they don't have to sell it they're not selling it they're, they're converting them onto a let to buy and then uh, you know releasing a bit of capital and going to buy something else because then that gives them an additional asset rather than just selling it down and, and missing out on future growth. So that's becoming more and more common, certainly in my, uh, my day-to-day work. People, if, if they can keep a property, they will. I've yeah, certainly we, seen an uplift of that. Yeah, we definitely saw, not just flats, actually, we saw a lot of small family homes, yeah, larger family homes, probably more 
in 2020, the end of 2020, I would say, um, yeah. where people were trying to capitalise on the stamp duty holiday. Yeah. Um, we definitely saw a lot of that. And uh, it'd be interesting to see what actually happens when those tenancies almost come to a 12 or 18 months come to an end. That will be quite interesting. Um, whether they sell or whether they, they keep them as an asset, because both properties in that period of time have grown so significantly. Yeah. Why wouldn't you keep hold of the asset and, and let it carry on doing that? Mike, that would be your advice, I would imagine, for someone that often uh, <laughs> lends a bit of advice on family home purchasing for buy-to-lets. Well, I mean, if they did that in 2020, it was a good decision um, financially. No doubt about it. If they saved the stamp duty and we're now... 12, 13, 14 months on, I'm sure at least an annual salary has been made in in, in equity from from making that taking that risk because no one really knew what was going to happen with the housing market in, in, in full pandemic mode. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, the, the, the past history always gives you a bit of a forecast for the future that if you can keep a house, it will always go up in value. Um, it just depends whether you choose to be a landlord over and above anything else, in my opinion, now yeah. um, it's about it's about choice. Do you do you want do you want to put yourself through it? And speaking as a letting agent, a lot a lot, a lot of letting agents wouldn't use that phrase. It is difficult. It is hassle, um, and it is a hands-on investment. <clears throat> Anyone who tells you it's not is 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 trying to sell you something. <laughs> there's a there's a bit of juggling to do. I think sometimes people there's that fear factor, isn't there? I think there'll be a lot of people this year that are looking to invest because um, shrewd investors get on as the curve starts at the bottom and they do really well. And there are a real small amount of investors, but sensible investors look at a curve that's going up and they jump on board and the curve is going up. I would still say to anyone looking to buy, whether it's a buy to let or a first time buyer or someone looking to upsize today is the cheapest day to buy a property. Than it, than it probably ever will be because house prices will go up, interest rates at some point will go up. They're not going to go down, either of them. So today is the cheapest day to buy a property. And, um, you know, we were talking about that in December and, and I think there'll be a lot of people um, that have made a lot of money in the trades last year because trades are still bananas. And they're maybe thinking about limited business purchasing or they might not be thinking about that. They're thinking about where do I put that money and they're going to get some advice from somewhere and, and they know property in the trades, don't they? So um, I, I think there'll be a lot of buy-to-let purchasing going on this year. I don't think it'll be a buy-to-let market this year, but I do think there'll be a big chunk of the market that is buy-to-let buyers. Um, there's no money in savings really. So, you know, the safe bet is, is property. Even if we see a steady four or 5% increase um, for the right type of property that you can purchase at the moment, it just seems like an absolute no brainer um for, for me per- personally you saw a graphic actually mike i think didn't you where if you would put 100 grand into property or 100 grand left in your bank you would have made i think it was would you make 80 grand on the property and you'd have lost 17 grand in the um in the bank account based on how inflation and cost of living had gone and things like that so um what a powerful stat that was yeah, I've seen many graphics, and that was that was probably one of them. <laughs> but it is, yeah, if you if you put your money in the bank account now, what's the best savings account you can get? 0.01% interest. Yeah, and we're running at probably five percent plus on inflation, so you can consider your money lost five percent. Your hundred thousand is ninety five thousand by the end of this year, um, which is quite harrowing thoughts for for savers. Um, 
and, and, and property, along with a lot of other investments, is, is, is following at least at least following the curve of, of, of inflation. So sometimes you, you've got to do what you've got to do. Yeah, absolutely. People listening um, to, to the podcast, if you're a landlord with a portfolio or you're looking to invest and you want to talk to Dom, um, then obviously reach out to us and obviously we can put you in contact. Clearly, Tom um, knows what he's talking about in terms of the financial world and the difference between, I, I always say this to new um, property investors, the difference between talking to someone like Dom and talking you know, to the bank or whatever it may be is you can get that advice from them. You can get that expertise. So feel free to reach out. And um, yeah, it's, it's been great having you on so far. I'm now excited to get to my favourite part of each podcast <laughs> where Mike throws quick fire questions at you. Depending on the guest, they're either quick fire or sometimes they're they're not quick fire. Sometimes um, they're very slow fire. Sometimes like, <laughs> we, we aim to fire through these 45 seconds of questions. Sometimes it's 45 minutes. So we'll see how we get on. These are the questions that Dom haven't, hasn't seen, but these are opinion-based questions. So the regulatory hat comes off. Okay. What happens next in the property market? Uh, what happens next? Well, we, we continue to see competition amongst lenders for quality business. We continue to see growth in, slow growth in, in prices, not stellar like last year, but demand will continue to drive, um, you know, at least a plateauing of value. And the race for space is going to carry on. You know, there's, there's people out there that want that have had a long time to think about their living arrangements and they want to do something different. Much the same? Much the same. Much the same. Yeah, like that. Personally speaking, if you were to invest in your perfect deal tomorrow, what would it look like? Perfect deal? Perfect property investment, yeah. Uh, what, buy to let or anything? Yeah, anything. Commercial, buy to let, HMO, flip, anything really. I don't think I'd look at. I don't think I'd look at HMO. Um, uh, buy to. I think if it, it, perfect for me would be looking at areas where. So buy to let portfolio purchases in areas that are showing strong growth where there's likely to be strong demand. So areas like, like the Northwest. So if I had, there's, there's not a lot of, in my view, there's not a lot of value to be had in the South particularly, but there is still value to be had around the Northwest, North, Northeast. So I'd be looking at uh, available property in, in particularly around university towns. There's still no shortage of, of demand for people moving into university, expect education to pick up again as the pandemic wanes, uh, anything in in that type of area is likely to be a good long-term investment. Last question. What's the best single piece of property advice you would give someone? Best single piece of property advice? I wish you'd given me this earlier, Mike, so I could have thought about it. <laughs> ah, that's the... We love um, people on the spot. <laughs> I, when it, Property is... It's an emotional purchase. Doesn't matter whether you're buying it as a whether you're going to live in it or whether you're going to rent it out, and you have to make sure it makes sense. So don't be led by your heart if there's something not right about it. So I've seen people that will that they they will let their heart rule their head. You'd expect me as a financial advisor to say, well, you need to make sure it makes sense, and so assess it looking at the hard facts is it fair value 
are you going to get a return? Can you afford to put the money down? Can you afford to hold it or live in it for as long as you want to? If you can't answer um, sensible questions like that, then you shouldn't be spending the money. You should be taking a step back and finding a different target. There's nothing worse than, than um, buyer remorse, put it that way. Nothing worse than buyer remorse. Make sure it's the right thing before you spend money on it. Yeah, I think we always talk on the podcast about feeling comfortable and having that gut feeling that you know what you're investing your money in um, is a bit like throwing your money into crypto and you haven't done the research and you just got no idea what you're doing. You know, it could be a recipe for disaster. Um, but with property, if you know the area, you know what's happened, you know the local schools, you know the good estates from the bad estates, um, then it's that much easier to, to feel that you could put your money into that property. Yeah, Re research is everything. In in in, if you don't, matter, don't care what you're buying, whether it's a car, it's a house, just just be certain. And the, the trouble with highly competitive markets is it drives people to to offer when maybe they're not quite right because they're worried about uh, FOMO. That's the saying in it, fear of missing out on a long term investment. You've got you've got to hold back. You've got to be a little bit more measured about it, unless you're absolutely certain your gut's right. And often it can be. But there's a lot of variables in here that you've got to consider before you, you put down cold, hard cash and sign up to a loan. Definitely. Yeah, perfect. Well, what, what I've taken there that I would say to people listening is if you're due a remortgage on your buy to let, maybe look into it now as quickly as possible, especially if you've got a big chunk of equity in there. Um, decide what you're looking to do long term, short term. Um, for me, I have a very small um, mortgage uh, time scale of repayment on mine because I want them all paid off by the time I'm 50. That's my plan. Um, not necessarily looking to add to the portfolio, but that's my personal goal. I don't make money really significantly, you know, monthly. I'm looking at it as, as I want a, a cash um, or a, a debt free asset, if you like, at the, the time I turn 50. But everyone's got their different goals. So talk to us and, and talk to Dom. And I massively appreciate, you know, your time coming on the podcast today um, there's a lot of notes that i've taken here that we're going to digest in a minute um, and if people want to reach out to you don what's what's the best place to contact the, the money guardian website facebook instagram where are you most active uh well we, we've got um obviously the website there's the, the www.themoneyguardian.co.uk uh, you can pop us a message on there through the info box we've got a facebook profile we've got an instagram profile so uh, linkedin if you, if you want to find us you can find us no problem at all just just google the Lovely. name but make sure it's the money guardian not the guardian you don't want to talk to the paper you want to talk to me <laughs> very different conversation you might have with Absolutely. the guardian um <laughs> no we'll put obviously all details within the post as well and uh, yeah thanks for coming on My and pleasure. we'll get you on a, again at some point throughout the year i'm sure for a follow-up and an update on the things that we discussed today I'm if you don't mind so, gents, there we go. Uh, podcast number one of 2022 and number 12, I believe, uh, in terms of episodes since we launched. Um, thanks for everyone watching. And in this kind of short snippet, we're going to just digest exactly what we discussed today in summary. Um, but, Don, what a good guy he is. Um, I really, really find him very engaging. And I also like the way that he simplifies his answers Um they're technical answers, but they're explained very, very well. So hopefully that's what a lot of people took from it. One of the phrases he kept using was race for space. And I liked that because I haven't used that myself before. But what's clear is the trends in how people live 
have changed since COVID. We speak about that a lot. It affects buys, it affects tenants, which in turn affects the market. Um, but race for space, and that potentially is, is the theme and the topic that might continue the, the price growth throughout 2022. So it was interesting that he kept using that phrase because clearly what he sees is the buyers qualifying themselves prior to anyone else from a solicitor point of view, from an estate agent point of view, he sees the buyers qualifying themselves. And that's one of the, probably the key reasons why people are looking to get mortgages at the moment is for space. So I found that really interesting. Um, Mike, what about yourself? Any, any sort of key takeaways from the podcast? Yeah, the, the, the race for space thing is, is, it's been a topic for 18 months, I guess now, isn't it? Yeah, it's just yeah. how you define it. It just shows it's, it's a good definition, a good term on it, you know, to show how, people are desperately pushing to get more because they're spending more time at home and, and, and doing that kind of thing. And because they've got more cash, which has been discussed um, about the extra cash that's in the economy that allows people to do that kind of thing. So yeah, as I said, right at the start, I really enjoy the way Dom explains why things are the way they are and why it is, if I'm a, a buy to let or a residential property owner, why I don't, get quite the deal I used to get if if I've got a lot of equity in my property it's really interesting to see how the banks are structuring things when they see there's a lot of risk and when they see there's less risk even in the space of six months and 12 months it's turned around massively so interesting to see that explained yeah no completely and I liked his answer actually when I asked the question about what advice would you give a buy to let portfolio landlord about remortgaging um Obviously, everyone always says it's specific, but he gave his reasons why it's specific. And, and that was that was quite interesting, actually. And I'm sure we we'll do a piece of content on that because some people are looking to remortgage for long term without being active in the market. Some people are looking to be active. Some, you know, some landlords we talk to, they're looking to let, but ideally they would sell if they've got the right money and they've got different goals around their mortgage. And you mentioned it does get a pain in the backside spending a thousand pounds, fifteen hundred pounds on a on a mortgage fee every time. But nothing, absolutely yeah. nothing. Yeah, just it's an really online good. click of a button, thousand pounds, please. It's yeah. it's a sickener for me. But I get like you say on the final questions. I think his answer to the best single piece of property advice, probably the best answer we've had so far, because it just takes down to the basics that it is an emotional purchase, mm-hmm. and if you before you make that emotional decision figure out the reasons behind it you'll make a much better decision than just the one that you want to make yeah no totally agree tristan yourself takeaways bud yeah i think mike's mike's covered a lot of it there but i think also just adding on the the race for space people moving out of of their flats into bigger properties and the increase of the the trends he's seeing the increase of let to buys that is doing and i've certainly seen an increase of that so i think his answer on that truly reflects what's going on in the marketplace. And I think a lot of people are moving and retaining properties. So I do see this, this coming year, a busy year for, for, um, for lettings, in my opinion. Well, one thing as well is the, um, the green products and the green mortgages that are out there. Um, I've never truly seen the value in an EPC rating, you know, as an estate agent, as someone being in property, someone that's invested in property. Sold property. I've never really seen the true value in it because you buy the property based on the upgrade you're going to make. You 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 sort of factor the cost into it, um, or you don't effectively. And the rating is almost irrelevant in reality. But it brings the rating into relevance because 
if you're looking at purchasing two different types of properties and one's got a B rating and one's got a D rating, then in reality, the B rating one, you could get a cheaper mortgage for. Um, so it brings relevance to the EPC rating. When it you puts value into the EPC rating. Yeah, There's also um, no cost to improve it either. Yeah, and, and there's, there's ways that you can up, update as well. You know, there's ways that you can take grants and um, take advantage of the, the government sort of drive to be more green. So um, that was quite an interesting point that I, I, I was... I learned something there. I always learn something on the podcast, but that was one thing that I learned there, which was quite interesting. Um, so yeah, loved that. What a great way to kick off the new year. I'm excited for next week. Um, and if people have got questions, as we always answer, always say, fire us emails, comments, questions on the website, wherever it is. And we, we love answering these questions. If you want us to answer them live, um, maybe over the course of January and February, we can list all the questions and we do a podcast episode specifically around people's questions if um if that's the demand for it so yeah really really good one great way to kick off the year gents and if people have got any questions whatsoever fire them at us i'm flicking through youtube and through spotify i don't think there's a podcast or a video channel on youtube that landlords can land on where they're not being sold something i mean it'd be the first time any estate agents ever asked that question but why not ask that question to a wider audience they just have the knowledge there but they don't seem to share it you can do different episodes based around someone that wants an exit plan or someone that's just starting their portfolio the rules change every year yeah but why not just open the floor out and just say well is property even the best investment out there and tax advice is a big thing, especially with everything that's changed, capital yeah. gains tax and obviously your stamp duty costs that you need to pay and whatnot. People don't realise what they need to prepare for. We build a podcast, we build a YouTube channel, somewhere that landlords can go and they feel they're not being sold to, but they're just getting quality advice.